Welcome back to another episode of No One Watches Regular News, hosted by me, Kerry Bogar. Hanging over the season opener, the absence of net superstar Kyrie Irving, who's refusing to get vaccinated, which bars him from playing home games under New York's COVID restrictions. As a result, Nets management required Irving to sit out until he gets the shot. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said Monday that while the league itself has no vaccine mandate, it will respect local restrictions. I hope that Kyrie sort of, um, despite how strongly he feels about the vaccination, ultimately decides to get vaccinated because I'd love to see him play basketball this season. Silver says 96% of the league is vaccinated, but he wants every single player to get the shot. And so does Magic Johnson. Do you think every player should come out and say, I will get the vaccine, I'm vaccinated, and so should you? Oh, for sure. You know, that's why I got my two shots and made sure I put it out on social media. I wanted especially my community to know that, first of all, it's safe. And the players, again, People listen to them. They follow them. That's very important. Plus, the last thing is this. You have said to your teammates, I'm going to be there for you. Mm. Well, you can't be there if you don't get vaccinated. You're letting them down. And then that hurts our chances of winning the championship. I would never do that to my teammates. Never. Part of the league's 75-year anniversary. They have turned this into a full-out political issue. It's not that big of an issue. Nobody cares about your vaccine status. Have you received it or not? If you notice, the older players are talking a lot more than the younger guys. The young guys are just giving a basic answer like, look, man, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. It's not my business. It's your choice. It's that fucking simple. But out of all people, Magic Johnson is talking about how he wanted to um, show people that it's safe, that other players should encourage people to get it, and all this shit. I wasn't going to say it, but Magic Johnson is the same guy that did in 91 announced that he had HIV. Magic Johnson was fucking everything that he could. He was with multiple women. That's how he got HIV. So how does a guy like Magic Johnson has the nerve, the nerve to make this about basketball? That is just about you have to be a good teammate. Go get the vaccine because somehow this increases your possibility to win an NBA championship. It's just fucking basketball. Who cares? People buy tickets to go be entertained and to watch basketball. See guys run up and down the court, shoot a basketball, dunk a basketball, make a pass. You know, that's all, you, that's all you're doing. You got guys being paid to entertain people. That's it. It's not that big of an issue. But I hate how they keep continuing to make this a political thing. It is not. We're talking about a fucking vaccine. That's it. It's not that important. But if you see the younger guys, they, they give the most basic answer. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. Not my business. It's your choice. 
these older guys is having to give these long, drawn drawn out answers like, yeah, it's it's about basketball. Be a good teammate. Shaq was a horrible teammate. The shit that he said about Kobe Bryant and what they went through, even Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, these guys are the last guys that need to be the example that you should follow. They're not angels. So when it comes to the vaccine, like I said, it's not that big of an issue. But if you notice the younger players, their answers is, is a lot different. It's a lot more reasonable and logical than these, these old ass dudes. So here's a story. This is why I say that social media um, is slowly but surely causing people to develop mental disorders. It's evident. So this is how the story goes. A boy who was 13 years old shoots and wounds a Snapchat rival who who was also 13 years old. This happened in a Bronx playground. The mother, the mom, turns in her own son, the, the suspect, after seeing a wanted poster. Okay. This is what it says. A 13-year-old boy wanted for shooting a rival his same age over a Snapchat feud. It says, was arrested after his mother saw a wanted poster and hauled him into the NYPD station house in the Bronx. The, the two boys had been sparring in a series of messages to each other on the popular phone app. On and on October 6th, the suspect sent a message threatening to shoot the victim, police said. The next day, the argument moved from online to the streets. It says with the four foot eleven, 110 pound teen allegedly shooting the victim in the left knee inside, it says Hunts Point Playground. About 5.35 p.m., police said. It says, you just shake your head, NYPD. NYPD commissioner. It's terrible all the way around. We have to do better as society. I have a solution. Stop letting your kids on Snapchat. Um, it says, the teen shooter ran off and was captured on video. Gun in hand. A second suspect still being sought also appears on the video in a red, uh, it says sweatshirt and riding his bike behind the shooter. It says the suspect's mother saw a wanted poster with her son's image on it. She took him in to the 41st precinct station house Tuesday afternoon where she turned him in and asked for a lawyer. The suspect was charged with attempted murder, assault, and harassment. His name was not released because, of course, he's a minor. This is all over fucking Snapchat, y'all. This is a true story. A teen was arrested and charged with attempted murder, 
assaulting and harassment all over a Snapchat feud. This was over a Snapchat beef. So you can't tell me that people are, are not developing mental issues when it comes to social media. When it comes to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc., TikTok, all, all this shit. It's happening to the, the youth, the young kids, and people are not addressing this. The mother had to had to turn her own son in to the authorities because of what he did. So this is how the story goes. Again, boy who was 13 years old shoots and wounds Snapchat rival who was also 13 at a playground. And the mother sees the poster, turns him in. He's charged with attempted murder. This is the charges, y'all. Attempted murder. Assault and harassment. Hot damn. I've seen several stories in the news of a customer or a employee. They they're upset over something. It could be a disagreement over the food or whatever. They get so mad they pull out a weapon. Again, it could be the employee or the customer. Sometimes the customer can be an asshole. Sometimes the employee can also be an asshole. So this is how the story goes. Waffle House employee pulls gun on a customer during a dispute over eggs. It was just over eggs, y'all. This happened in Atlanta. Atlanta is the blackest city in America. Atlanta, Georgia. It says, according to police reports, Candy Franklin, the alleged victim, said he... Now, I don't understand how a man's name could be Candy, you know, um, but you know how that could be possible. Anyway, it said he complained to the employee who was a female whose last name is Patterson because his food order was wrong on several occasions. It all happened over eggs, uh, cheese with eggs. Okay, at first they didn't bring them to me. Then they brought me normal eggs and I said that I ordered eggs with cheese on it. Franklin told the outlet things escalated when Patterson became enraged by the customer's complaints and pulled out the weapon. Okay. I saw another story. This was a a woman at a Chipotle. She became so mad that they were taking so long with her food. She began to yell and scream. Where's my food? The woman pulls a gun out. I saw another story. This was at a Burger King drive through a a employee at Burger King pulls out a gun and points the gun at customers through a drive-thru after a disagreement. Okay? It's been several stories like this in the news. The employee, the customer gets mad, they pull out a weapon. Um, In the article, it did say this, that the employee, she became so upset that she went for a, a break. To have a cigarette. But then she was followed by the customer. Um, it says that since then. The employee has been charged with aggravated assault. As well. So. Yes you do have those customers. And those employees that can be assholes man. But you have to be able to. Maintain your composure. And not get so mad and upset. Because people are going to be people. And this is why I could never do a job at. A fast food place. Nowhere. I just can't deal with customers like that. I know how I am. 
But this was a female that was driven to a point that she should have never been to. Now, I was not there. I don't know the full story. It's possible, like, you know, in the story said that the customer was the biggest asshole because the customer followed her over this the dispute over eggs. So maybe the customer was the one that escalated this. But I know how black folks are. Sometimes we can't, you know, resolve conflict without violence. And this is one of those cases to where the employee just lost it and just went crazy. But this was a female employee that did this. Again, this is how the story goes. A Waffle House employee pulls gun on a customer during a dispute over eggs. Now, China is the last country that you want to use as an example because of their human rights violation issues. But I wanted to talk about this article because it sheds some light and it shows that in this country, they recognize that this is an issue in America. This is not really seen as an issue because it's not talked about a lot. Okay, but this is how the story goes. China to consider law to punish parents for young children's very bad behavior. Okay, it says China's parliament will move to consider legislation that will punish parents for the crimes or very bad behavior of their young children. Okay, it says the draft family education promotion law would require guardians of children who commit crimes or partake in very bad behavior to go through a family education program. The draft also encourages parents to allocate time for the children to rest, play, exercise. It says there are many reasons for adolescents to misbehave and the lack of or inappropriate family education is the major cause. It says earlier this year, China formally amended its two-child policy to permit all married couples to have three children as well. So in my opinion, this is not a bad thing. Even though China is the last country you want to use as an example because of human rights violation issues. You know, you know, I won't discuss that, but this is an example of them recognizing that, yeah, when it comes to children, parents are the major issue. The major problem if their children fail or succeed. It says right here, but the government has increasingly been asserting itself in domestic life, issuing guidance earlier this year on how much time children are allowed to play games online and limiting online study time to lessen the burden on young students who may be overwhelmed as well. So when it comes to caring about their children and their education, China is on top of that. In other areas, they might be lacking, but this article is a prime example of them recognizing that in their country, that this is a major issue that has to be addressed. We don't want these children committing crimes at 13 and 14 years old, like in America, for example. And behaving badly like you see kids in America behave because of poor parenting. So it's, it's best that you hold parents accountable and make them responsible for the kids because the children are the future. 
So once again, the article says, China to consider law to punish parents for young children's very bad behavior. In my opinion, this is a good thing. All right, so I read this article. This was at Howard University. Students are protesting uh, the conditions, okay? They're, they're saying they got roaches, rats, uh, mold, and the showers is horrible. And they're living this way. See, this is why HBCUs need federal funding. But, of course, their funding got cut. And this is why when it comes to Joe Biden's administration, they need to be held accountable for this shit. These historically black colleges and universities should be a protected class of schools. They should have no problem getting funding. If you can give six point three billion dollars to Afghan refugees and say this is for resettlement. There is no excuses why these students should be living like this, especially these black students. To where they're at school. They're at this prestigious Howard University. And they're having to deal with rats, insects, mold and just bad conditions to where they have to fucking protest about this. The U.S. government Congress should be ashamed. That. These kinds of stories don't get more attention. The story and what's happening at Howard University should get more attention. It should be a top story, not what the fuck is going on with Kyrie Irving, not what John Gruden said, not what was said on IG Live, not not the fucking Squid Game. It should be Howard University students are protesting because the conditions are so bad. That they can't live like this. This should be a top fucking story. Alright, so this article says um the NCAA task force recommends removing minimum standardized test scores in effort to advance racial equity. Uh, it's not really racial equity, man. It's um it's a matter of let's lower the bar because a lot of these black male students are having issues in reading. Math and science. They're not being prepared to pass the SAT or the ACT test. So it does not make any sense to still have this in place. And these incoming freshmen in Division One and Two sports, they can't pass these, these exams. So what we should do is make it no longer a requirement to even meet these minimum scores on these tests. So this is what we're seeing across the country. We're, we're, uh, we're going to see more schools say, look, you don't have to pass the SAT or the ACT. This is no longer a requirement for admission. In high school, these kids are barely passing these, these classes they can barely pass the high school level tests. So there is no way that they can go into college and pass these tests. If they can't read, do math and science in high school, they can't do it in college. That's that's even more advanced. But they're saying that it's racial equity.
No, it's not. It's called lowering the bar because you got students coming in. They can't read, do math and science. It's that simple. So if you're a parent, uh, be careful uh, on what you allow your child to watch. Uh, this article says um, a British local council is urging parents to not allow children to watch Squid Game after reports of kids copying the challenges. OK, it says. So a local council in England wrote a letter to parents urging them to not allow their children to watch Squid Game. It says after multiple reports cited children being violent as they recreate scenes from the show. It says Squid Game is a Netflix must watch series of all time with over 111 million views in under a month. Okay. Uh, one game that they're trying to recreate is the game Red Light Green Light. It says um, parents in the UK are receiving warnings from schools and councils about students using physical violence to imitate this game with the losers getting beaten up. It says um, it also says we strongly advise that children should not watch Squid Game. The show is quite graphic with a lot of violent content. The local government authority added. Um, it goes on to say this in the UK. The show is rated 15. With sexual uh, sexual violence references, injury detail, crude humor, sex, suicide, sexual images and violence. It says which means it is only suitable for those aged 15 and older. If it, if it has all this, maybe it should be 18 or older. But parents, you have to be able to monitor what your children watch. I, for one, if I'm reading this article and I have not watched the show Squid Game yet, I don't think I would allow my child to watch it just based on what's being said and and, and how this show is being described. I don't think that as a parent, I would allow my child to watch this shit because of what I just read. So, um, again, um, it says a British, a British local council is urging parents to not allow children to watch the show Squid Game after reports of kids copying the challenges. And it goes on to say that um, that after multiple reports cited children being violent as they recreate the scenes. From the show. This next article says I've worked at Ikea for five years and customers have gotten so bad that I can't look at them the same anymore. This article is about the supply chain issue that Ikea is experiencing right now. Um, the pandemic. The lockdown. The mass mandate. You had restrictions lifted at one point. The vaccine. The debate about the vaccine. If you are against vaccines, you're pro vaccines, um, labor shortages. Uh, we're seeing a supply chain issue right now. It's going to get worse before it gets better. So people are frustrated. They're tired. You have to understand that things in America will not be the exact same. People are living through this. They're seeing this with their own eyes. It's their experience. So years from now, when you go back in history, you can say that 
I was alive in 2020 when we had a global pandemic. I saw it. I experienced this stuff. I lived through it. So, again, this article says I worked at Ikea for five years and customers have gotten so bad that I had uh, I can't look at them the exact same anymore. It says um, it says I've been working at, at Ikea for more than five years and feel that the relationship between customers and customer service workers have been completely broken. I don't see how it can go back. It says, um, maybe just people desperate to get their products when things aren't in stock and people are mad. They're taking it out on us because they see us as something lower than they are. Right now, the supply chain blockage is a real struggle. Okay. Some customers are, are understanding, but the ones who aren't stand out. It says, I recently had someone come through who said the reason we didn't have anything in stock was because our company is a socialist company. Another customer told me that we weren't paying attention to our stock levels, so it's our fault, it says. I'm worried about that. I'm worried the customers don't seem to be grasping that it's not going to get better. They're still coming in asking when things will be back in stock. At times, we've heard through the grapevine that it could be up to six months before we have certain items in. It says these issues have been slowly building since we first reopened after the lockdown. Our stocks were selling faster. Then eventually, the supply chain issues took hold and we never completely caught up. It says, um, so again, people are frustrated. They're mad. Um, but this is just another roadblock, another obstacle that we're seeing pop up. The supply chain issue. Company stores are not be- being able to restock on certain things they need. And this is causing a real issue. Um, and, but for some reason, the only thing that, can be discussed is the debate about the vaccine. But as of right now, we're seeing real issues pop up and it's not being addressed. Nobody is being held accountable. Nobody is being responsible for it. And it's people that's in power that we, that we look to as leaders. It's their fault. It's not the fault of someone that, that works at Ikea. It's not the fault of someone that, that works at Target or, or Walmart. It's not their fault. They're just doing their job. They're not responsible for transportation or those things. But the supply chain issue is a real issue right now. We're seeing companies struggle to restock. And it's going to get worse up. So I'm not the one that, to get into any kind of conspiracy theory, okay, but... This article makes you think. All these stories I read about people being killed and then their organs missing, you know, people talk about organ harvesting. Um, I don't really believe in those those kinds of stories, but some things just make you go home and make you think. 
Uh, this article says U.S. surgeons successfully test pig kidney transplant in a human patient. Okay. Uh, but this is what it says. For the first time, a pig kidney has been transplanted into a human without triggering immediate rejection, rejection by the recipient. Immune system, a potentially major advance that could eventually help alleviate a dire shortage of human organs for transplant, it says. Um, the procedure done at NYU, it says Lang Gun Health in New York City involved the use of a pig whose genes had been altered so that its tissues no longer contain molecule known to trigger almost immediate rejection, it says. Um, it goes on to say the recipient was a brain dead patient with signs of kidney defunction whose family consented to the experiment before she was due to be taken off life support. It says uh, for three days, the new kidney was attached to her blood vessels and maintained outside her body, giving researchers access to it. It says um, test results of the transplanted kidneys function looked pretty normal said a transplant surgeon, Dr. Robert Montgomery, who led the study. It says uh, the kidney made the amount of urine that you would expect from a transplanted human kidney, he said. Uh, the recipient's abnormal, it says, curatine liver, I, I believe, an indicator of poor kidney function returned to normal after the transplant, it says. In the U.S., nearly 107,000 people are waiting for organ transplant, including more than 90,000 waiting for a kidney, according to the United Network for Organ Sharing. Wait times for a kidney average three to five years, it says. So they're saying that uh, it's a shortage of this, that they don't have enough organs available. To do this, so they have to go a different route. It says to help alleviate a dire shortage of human organs for transplant. Now, I'm not the one that thinks about any kind of conspiracy theory. But it makes you wonder that if people are needing organs. What's to stop people from purposely targeting other people? For organs, for heart, kidney, lungs, whatever. I'm just thinking. Because if you happen to go, to go this route, having to get a pig. And do it this way. It says like, yeah, it's a huge issue for us. People need organs. And they don't have enough. So what's the next step? So this next story is about the In-N-Out Burger joint. Um, it says this happened in San Francisco. And In-N-Out defies a San Francisco vaccine mandate. Uh, it says we refuse to become the vaccination police, it says. So in the article, this is what it says. An In-N-Out restaurant in San Francisco was briefly shut down 
by the health department for not enforcing the city's vaccine mandate, causing the burger chain to retort. Um, it says uh, we refuse to become the vaccination police. So this happened Tuesday. So the shutdown actually happened on October 14th. Uh, it was first reported Tuesday. Uh, it has since reopened, but without indoor dining. It says that San Francisco has one of the toughest vaccine mandates in the country, requiring requiring proof of vaccination for indoor dining, which went into effect on August 20th. It says. In and out said it posted signs at the restaurant stating that the vaccine requirement, but its employees were not enforcing the compliance. Okay. It says Arnie Winsinger, in and outs chief legal and business officer, lashed out at the city's vaccine mandate in a statement Tuesday. It says it is a company in and out burger strongly believes in the highest form of customer service. And to us, this means serving all customers who visit us and making all customers feel welcome, he said in a statement emailed to Market Watch. We refuse to become the vaccination police for any government. It is unreasonable, invasive and unsafe to force our restaurant associates to segregate customers into those who may be served and those who may not. Whether based on the documentation they carry or any other reason. This is clear governmental overreach and is intrusive, improper, and offensive. There is nothing wrong with what he said. Um, you have every right to believe that. But when you live in San Francisco and they made this a mandate and a requirement, unfortunately, you have to, uh, you know, abide by this shit, you know. Luckily, man, I don't live in New York City or California. I live in Texas, so it's a little different. But this is what happened at a In-N-Out Burger in San Francisco. They just didn't want to comply where the employees were not enforcing the compliance. And then the uh, chief legal and business officer backed them up and said, you know, said what he said about being the vaccination police you know we are not going to be that and force people to show proof that you have the vaccine to get a burger fries and a damn coca-cola now i've seen all kind of theories online about this haitian gang uh they're like the um the robin hood you know the heroes um i don't know if that's the case i know the history of haiti and everything that has went on but can you really make that a excuse or reason behind what they did? They that they have every right to do what they did because Haiti has been exploited so much over the years. So the Haitian gang is is well within the right to do what they did. Um I don't know if that's a reasonable answer to give. I don't know. But this article says Haitian gang demands 17 million to free kidnap U.S. missionaries. It says um, desperate efforts continue on Tuesday to save a group of missionaries, most of them Americans being held for ransom by a gang in Haiti. Um, FBI agents were working with local authorities 
uh, to find the 16 U.S. nationals and one Canadian who were kidnapped on Saturday. Uh, the gang was asking for one million dollars for each hostage, 17 million in total, it says. Um, the missionaries from Ohio-based Christian organization were abducted just outside the Haitian capital, it says. Um, the name of the gang is 400, I think is um, Mawo's old gang, I believe. That's how you say it. So they're saying that, that this is a criminal gang. But... When you look at Haiti from a natural disaster issues, economy, um, you had your president assassinated. Um, and then on top of it, you have a surge in violent kidnappings. So. Like I said, I, I don't know how you can paint this this Haitian gang as heroes. I don't know if you can do that, that. Seeing what they did was the right thing because Haiti has been exploited for so long that somehow this gang is well within its rights to do this because these people deserve it for what they did. All the things that America and Europe has done to Haiti, that this gang is well within its right. I get that. But I don't know if that's the correct answer. I can't say that, but this is a story that that I, I read. This this Haitian gang kidnapped uh, missionaries, and now they're asking for ransom for each one. So seventeen million dollars in total. So every single state, in my opinion, every single state should pass a law to address this issue. Um, you cannot sit and watch somebody commit a criminal act or they're going to and you don't at least call the authorities this cannot happen this article says passengers who did not intervene in sexual assault on train could face charges and i agree they should face charges so it was a woman now they're saying that this is a alleged a alleged incident of a sexual assault on a train People on the train recorded what happened and they still chose not to call the authorities or not to intervene. It says bystander footage review showed that the passengers had an opportunity to intervene for 40 minutes while the victim was allegedly assaulted. For 40 minutes, man. So you mean to tell me that you sat there for 40 minutes and decided to just record what's happening and not call the authorities or intervene and at least give the, the victim help? So, yes, every single person that sat there and recorded this should be charged. Because this cannot happen. But again, this story says passengers who did not intervene in sexual assault on train could face charges. I agree. Because you cannot sit there for 40 minutes and watch this happen and you don't call the cops. It makes no fucking sense to me. But when it comes to smartphones, it's a gift and a curse. The curse is shit like this. 
the gift is that your cell phone can capture a criminal act. And that's your evidence to turn it over to the authorities and, and let them know what you saw. That's the gift to it. But I have to ask the question, man, what the fuck is wrong with people? These things cannot happen. So the, the audio that you're about to hear is from the show, The View. And they were interviewing Condoleezza Rice. And I'm glad she said it because I'm sick and tired of, of hearing the conversation about what happened on January 6th. It's, it's October. And they're still talking about this and they won't let it go. And of course, as long as Trump is in the conversation, you have something to talk about that's not important. What did Trump say? What did he tweet? You know, what did he say during the interview, etc. Last night when I was driving home, I was, I saw gas prices at almost $3 a gallon. You have inflation, a supply chain issue, labor shortage. So it's other issues that Americans are concerned about besides what happened back in January. It's not that big of a deal. But we constantly keep hearing this conversation brought up. It's just like the vaccine conversation is constantly is getting brought up over and over and over again. And, and it's never going away. But Condoleezza Rice set the record straight. And here's what she said. First of all, let me be very clear. I said at the time, January 6th was wrong. Mm -hmm. I called it an assault on law and order and an assault on our democratic processes. So full stop, it was wrong. Uh, law enforcement will uh, determine what happened there, and uh, those who violated the law ought to be punished. Mm -hmm. um, I also, on January 6th, for the first time since I was the National Security Advisor on September 11th, I cried that day, mm -hmm. right, because I thought... I study countries that do this. Mm -hmm. yes. I didn't think it would happen in my own country. So it was a, a terrible moment. Mm -hmm. I will say that that night, when they filed back into the Capitol after it was secured, mm -hmm. and they certified that election, I had new faith in our institutions mm -hmm. and the people who were protecting them. So we came through that as mm -hmm. a country that ultimately upheld the law. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I think what uh, Senator McConnell may be referencing is, yes, it's time to move on in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I'm one who believes that uh, the American people are now concerned about their what we call kitchen table issues, the price of gasoline, inflation, what's happening to their kids in school. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I will say that as somebody who was a national security expert, maybe didn't see in quite the same way the rise of China in ways that we're seeing it now. And so we do have a lot of issues. And I hope that what we will do is move on to the next generation of leadership. Because even people like me, I was in Washington a total of 10 years, two years with George H.W. Bush, eight years with George W. Bush. I shouldn't go back. We ought to move on to the next generation, uh, the, the move, move ahead and uh, deal with the American people's so issues. you wouldn't go back if they asked you? I have no desire to go back to Washington, D.C. <laughs> Absolutely zero. Well, I think, I think it's, it's, it's really politically expedient for, for Mitch McConnell to say, let's move on, let's move on, especially when uh, the former twice impeached, disgraced president um, it, it enjoys attacking Mitch McConnell. But the problem is that past will become prologue if we don't find out 
out exactly what happened January. And 6th, we will. So it's not. It's not time right we, now. We will. We will find out. We, we must I, find we out. We will before find out. Moving on. We will find out. But I'm yeah. going to tell you, I live in California, not Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. And the American people do have other concerns that we ought to be thinking about and talking about. Respectfully, and Madam so, Secretary, I think well, let me let me finish, mm -hmm. now, Sonny, because um, as I said, I thought this would happen in countries I studied, not countries that I lived in. Mm -hmm. Our institutions have to be upheld. What happened on January 6th was wrong. I don't know how much more strongly I can say what happened on January 6th was wrong. I also know that as a government and as a country, we've got to be concerned about the things that are making life hard for Americans and hard for American families. But when you have, and that's what I'm ready to but do. But when you have 80% of Republicans wanting to see Trump run in 2024, I'm a political scientist, all right? Mm -hmm. And unless I could see the questions that were actually in that poll, unless I could see the assumptions that were actually in that poll, I'm not going to take for granted that that poll is correct. So Quinnipiac, you don't believe in that? Uh, no, in I polls. said I'm a political scientist. I understand polls. And unless I really knew what was in that poll, I just want to repeat as to what I want to see in my party. I want to see the next generation of leadership step up. I want those of us who have been there, done that, to step back. And I want to move on to a better America. Oh, I'm so glad she said that. And Sonny just kept pushing and pushing and pushing trying to make it about a rebuttal a response to what she's saying um sonny wanted to be right so bad and condoleezza rice was correct we have to be able to move on is is much more serious issues that must be addressed other than what happened in january or what trump said or what trump is doing and this is what she's talking about. We must move on. Um, we need better leadership, new leaders, not these old hags. They're, they're still trying to get their shot, their a chance, and be in Congress. So she's absolutely right that we must be able to move on from what happened back in January. All right, so this brings me to the end of this episode. Um... This episode is about really about the story of Larry Miller, and I wanted to wait to the end of this episode to to uh, tell this story about Larry Miller. Um, so Larry Miller is the Jordan brand chairman. So he knows Michael Jordan. He's friends with Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. He knows other NBA executives. So Larry Miller is an African, uh, African-American man who has friends in high places. So he has enjoyed some success. However, his success has come with the cost, a price. For over 50 years, Larry Miller has kept a secret. And that secret is that he killed someone when he was 16 years old. So at 16 years old, he shot and killed someone who was 18 years old, and his name was Edward White. So this article comes from Sports Illustrated. He rose to the highest levels of business in basketball, but with a secret. Now, his book will be out next year. It's titled um, Jump My Secret Journey from the Streets to the Ballroom. So that's the book that will be out next year about his story. So Larry Miller. 
So for years, Larry Miller has been haunted by this killing. So much so that he has had nightmares as a result of, of what happened in the past. It, it has caused him to have these real severe headaches. Uh, he lived in fear of being exposed. That somehow if he's exposed, then his life is over. So for 50 years, he has managed to keep this bottled up and not tell anyone the truth until now. So Larry Miller hopes that his truth, his story, his, his, uh, his experiences will help the youth, will help people in prison as well. Um, but when he was 13 years old, he joined the Cedar Avenue gang in West Philly. It wasn't about money. It, it was not about drugs or issues at home. Miller had a father and a mother. His, his mother raised eight children. Um, it says he was a good student. He got straight A's. A smart kid. But however, this was about feeling respected. He wanted a sense of respect. And he wanted to feel like he belonged somewhere. So this was his desire. So Larry Miller became more interested in impressing people in the streets, it says. It says by 16 years old, Larry was a gangbanger. A thug, he was alcoholic, he drank every single day. So from 13 to 30, his life was in shambles. He was in trouble. He had no future. Now, the main focus is what happened is what happened when he was 16 years old in 1965. So him pulling the trigger was an act of retribution. It says because earlier that month, a younger friend, someone he considered innocent, had been stabbed during a fight with a rival gang. Right. So. It says right here, guns, guns were rare back then, but Miller had acquired a 38 caliber from his handgun from his, his girlfriend. So he grabbed the gun, downed a bottle of wine with three friends and went searching for anyone affiliated with the rival game. He shot the first person he encountered. It says, we were all drunk, Miller says softly. I was in a haze. Once it kind of set in, I was like, oh, shit, what have I done? It took years for me to understand the real impact of what I had done. The newspapers, the newspaper reported that the police arrested him soon after the shooting. Near where it, it had occurred. Miller tossed the gun. Uh, the gun was recovered. It says that Miller did not know the victim or whether he had anything to do with the stabbing of his friend or even whether he had any connection with the rival gang. So for years, this haunted him. That this happened. But at some point, Miller began to turn things around. It says while in prison, Miller resumed his education. He earned a counting a accounting degree from Temple University at age 30. Around the same time he regained his freedom. 
And that is also when his secret was born. So from the time he was 30 up, up until now, he kept this a secret. So Larry Miller was able to move up and become successful. But he had to keep this a secret. He couldn't tell nobody until now. So in order to find this out, you would have to read the book. But to me, that this is a great story about a guy as a youth growing up. This is a similar story to a, a lot of young black men growing up. They do come from a good home. But somewhere they go astray because they want to be respected or they want to be cool or feel like they belong somewhere. Like he said, it was not about money or drugs. You know, that was not the case. He came from a good home. It was something else that he was looking for. He was searching for. He found it. However, it cost him his life from 13 to 30. He suffered a great deal. Even up until now. So for him, this is therapy to be able to discuss this and talk about what happened. Uh, he has served his time in prison. You know, so he can't be, you know, arrested again and thrown, thrown uh, back in jail again. But his story to me is unique, man, because you hardly ever hear about these stories being told. And the truth and the fact that this is the Jordan brand chairman makes to me makes the story even more interesting because this guy is knows Phil Knight. He knows Michael Jordan. And this is a very good story, man. And I think that everybody should go and read the article. Um, whenever the book comes out, I will be buying the book. Uh, but this is a very good story, a good article. Again, this was from sports illustrated. It says, um, he rose to the highest levels of business in basketball, but with the secret. Thank you for being able to tune in and listen to my podcast. No one watches regular news hosted by me, Kerry Bogar. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Mm-hmm.